on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. The script says, tonight we welcome the man with the hardest job in local football, New York Town Manager Damo Parkinson, is at Sport HQ. In reality, Damo's got to work late tonight, so um, we've had to postpone it at the last minute, and he's going to come in again in the next three or four weeks. So, uh, you've got me and Tony chatting. To add a bit of um, civility to the whole evening, Chris Hassel's going to join us and talk about the Jags. We're going to have a look back at what happened last weekend, of course, and look forward to what's um, happening this weather permitting. In between all that, we're probably going to do a little bit of bickering, but uh, that's what we do. This is the renowned bickering Radio Newark Sport, <laughs> and uh, what we normally do on a Thursday now is take a look at some of the more quirkier stories of the week. And I think the leader in all that lot is James Milner. He claimed an un- unwanted slice of football history last Saturday when he was sent off by his old primary school teacher. The Liverpool fullback didn't even pause for confirmation after he fouled Wilfred Zaha in the 89th minute at Anfield. Having already been cautioned, he appeared to know what the referee John Mosh would do, having no hesitation in, in showing a second yellow card. But then he had the unique insight to the likely reaction as he had been coached by the future referee at Westbrook Primary School in Horsforth, Yorkshire. We'll come back to that one, I think. Up to Tony's favourite country, and Mark McGuigan's header earned bottom club Stenhouse Muir a stunning draw at Scottish League Premiership Challengers Aberdeen in the Cup. The ironic thing is, Aberdeen have never got the better of Stenhouse Muir. They've drawn twice and lost three times on the only five occasions the two sides have met. Staying up north, um, a junior football was substituted half-time so he could go and fix the fat fryers at McDonald's. <laughs> East Kirk Bride Thistle striker and catering technician Craig Coacher was on call when his side faced New Mains United in the West of Scotland Cup a couple of weeks ago. But with his team trailing 3-1 at the break, Coacher got an urgent call informing him that he had to make a mad dash to Mackie D's in Linwood to fix their fryers. So off he went. They had to make a substitution. The substitute scored a couple of goals on the 1-5-3. <laughs> Brilliant. You'll like this one, Tony. The match day programme for the Chesterfield versus Bedford FA Trophy match consisted of one large sheet of folded paper. Think about effort. All five of Stafford's goals at Grantham Town last Saturday were headed goals. And the former England captain David Beckham is set to make a, set to take a 10% stake in the National League club Salford City. They need the money. Beckham, who's now 43, will become part owner alongside teammates Gary and Phil Neville, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes and Nicky Button. I'm absolutely sure Mr Smith's going to have an opinion on that one as well. Because that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about those stories and we're going to talk about some more stories that I found... Um, making the world and national headlines today so what you've actually got is in the blue corner 
the ex-secretary of FlowServe, the ex-secretary of Newark Town, the only person to hold both, to hold both roles, the longest-serving secretary of the Newark Football Alliance, member of the Knotts FA, and quite frankly, an all-round good guy. And in the red corner, <laughs> you've got the only ever sports editor of the Newark Advertiser in its complete history, a professional journalist of 40 years plus, which really tells you everything you need to know that you can't believe a word he's going to tell you. Mm. So that's what you've got for the next 50 minutes. Me and him bickering. Good evening, Tony. Good evening. Um, we'll start, we'll come back to those headlines, because what I want to start is this. The West Indies, 289 all out and 17 for no wicket. England, 77 all out. Joel Garner and Michael Holding come out of retirement, have they? Deary me. 77 all out. I didn't know that. That's absolutely shocking. I work in Grantham and the lost five wickets between Grantham and Newark. It's, uh, apparently, they've got a new fast bowler in the West Indies um, by the surname of Roach, and he took five for 17, and he was hammering it in short, and we was waving it goodbye with the bat and they was catching it oh doesn't that remind you of the olden days in the yeah, 70s it does but um in, in one in one respect i'm so pleased the west indies look like they're getting a decent test team again yeah because west indies and cricket go together and quite frankly they've been a laughing stock for too long in another respect somebody said it's hard to win away at test cricket well if england's want to be the number one test cricketing nation they've got to go to sri lanka to win and they've still got to go to the west indies to win and anderson took five for 46 when he bowled um but 77 all that is absolute rubbish with this much vaunted wonderful batting lineup that we've got well, I've uh, I've not seen any of the uh, or heard any of the cricket today, so that that, that was complete news to me. But um, the West Indies are ranked bottom of the uh, Test nations, aren't they? Apart from Ireland, who have yet to play any actual Test matches, and therefore I think the rank ranking is yet. I think the rank well down, but I think. Um, by common consent, they won't be there much longer because they are getting stronger. The youngsters are coming through. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's great potential. Um, when um, Richard Pybus, who's a, a Newcastle lad, a Geordie lad from, from, from your neck of the woods, adopted neck of the woods, uh, when he went across to um, the West Indies uh, initially... To try and turn the uh, cricket round, they only had 15 players on contract. I think now they've got 120 on contract in the Windies. So things are turning rounds, but it's always been a very, very difficult part of the world because none of the islands get on in terms of wanting to play cricket with each other. None of the players actually get on with the cricket board, and uh, you know when they won the the, the world. T20 Cup, you know, it was very much a divided nation in, in cricket in terms, and you know, I, I agree with you totally. There is a part of me that goes, well, well done, Windies, about blooming time, and you know, I mean, but 77 all out, dear God, that is shocking. I, we've we've done this story. I'm sure we've done this story, but we'll, and what the heck. Um, 
my oldest memory of watching cricket on television that I can actually vividly remember is England bringing back Brian Close against the West Indies. <laughs> Um, and this was in the days when you didn't wear helmets and you wasn't dressed in body armour. Uh, and he went in there, out there in a white shirt with sleeves rolled up. Um, and he was 40-something at the time, as I yeah, remember. I mean, you probably remember it. Yeah. He was 40-something and they called him back because the 20-somethings <laughs> the was running away. Um, and, OK, he didn't score a lot of runs, but he stood there and took it. But those were the days when he didn't have all this padding as well. And yeah. Underneath his shirt, he had various bath towels wrapped round him. And when he took the bath towels off in the dressing room afterwards, his body was just covered in, in what cricketers call medals, just massive raw bruises all over his body. And he just, you know, was awesome. I mean, there's, 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 there was a time when I think Brian Close was fielding at Silly Midon and the ball hit him in the head and went to uh, first slip and was caught. And uh, somebody in the interviews afterwards said, but what would have happened if it hit in the middle of the forehead? He said it probably gone a third slip. <laughs> and it, it was just unique. But, I mean, I, I, I've read lots of stories about so, the, the, the Brian Close years. When I was growing up and was first able to drive, um, I used to actually uh, go... I used to say to my dad, I'm off to the cricket, and he thought I was going to Park Avenue in Bradford or to Headingley in Leeds to watch Yorkshire. And I used to drive across the Pennines to watch my beloved Lancashire. I never told him for 25 years that I actually supported Lancashire. But the first time... Well, they did scalped you for that, and he just scalped yeah. you for driving over there as well. Yeah, but the first time I ever drove after passing my test, uh, rather than take the train, or a very long bus journey across the Pennines... I actually was a bit of a nervous driver. It was my first long journey. And I saw a cricket match on my left-hand side and I pulled in just to sort of get rid of the nerves. And in those days, have a quick pint to sort of, you know, <laughs> recover. And um, on the door of this cricket club, there was a red rose and there was a white rose. And I thought, what the hell? And so I said to the old guy next to me, What's the uh, white rose and red rose all about, mate? And he said, well, you see that batsman over there? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, uh, he's batting in Lancashire. And that bowler over there is coming in from Yorkshire. He said, the county boundary goes right through the middle of the square. It's called Todmorden Cricket Club. <laughs> and, and, and the county boundary went right through the middle of the square. And, uh, and so I've always had a soft spot for Todmorden Cricket Club ever since. And... The pro at that time was Brian Close in, oh, his, right. in, his, in his latter years. And uh, I've heard some legendary stories about him when he's driving and people in the passenger seat were just absolutely terrified because he was a leery driver, as the, as, as the phrase goes over here, or down here. But he was a very, very, you know, mad, flat-out-on-the-floor driver but he used to drive while reading the the, uh, the racing post. <laughs> and so his head was down looking at the form while the passenger next to him was sort of, you know, mainlining Hail Marys for the for the, for the majority of the journey. But, uh, yeah, Brian Close is a fantastic character and it's probably only him in the, in the cricketing world would go out against the West Indies at the age of 46 and, you know... Yeah. 
here's a stat for you in the last eight tests in Barbados pace bowlers have taken 201 wickets at an average of 19 spin bowlers have taken 60 wickets at an average of 40 so we drop Stuart Broad and bring a, and bring a spinner in yeah but, but I've, I've read all the build up to the, um, the test series in the Windies and all the experts and Jeff Boycott have been saying that you know it's going to be an absolute whitewash for us you know England are just going to wipe the floor with them and let's hope it's vaguely competitive Obviously. So far, it's competitive. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's not actually. It's, it's far from it. It doesn't right, sound let, very competitive, let's just, does um, it? Dear me. It's quite funny, James Milner being sent off by his old primary school teacher. I, I never realised he came from Horsforth. Yes. That's where my dad comes from. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you and Brian Close and Todd Milner are now yeah, Horsforth. Yeah, yeah. Um, does it matter that his old primary school teacher is refereeing him in one of the biggest Premier League matches of the day? Nah. No, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, uh, James Milner is a excellent footballer, but he's knocking on a bit. And those two tackles he made on Saturday... I mean, he, he, he didn't look back because he, he, he knew that it was a fraction late. But in both tackles, it looked as though he got there as quick as he could. Yeah. And they were both bookable offences, so he's a good lad. He, he knew what was coming, so he walked off. But I'd still think that it was a rather surprising gesture from somebody of his character because it's common decency to turn around and acknowledge the referee yeah. sending your friends walk yeah walk true yeah. That, that, that was a bit prima donna for yeah. him for, yeah. by his standards which are very high I want to talk about prima donnas after half past seven well okay. actually I want to talk about showboating after half past seven yeah um, Muir, where is Muir? I don't know. Is that, uh, it's, in, it's in Scotland. It's in, oh, well done. That's, we're, yeah. both, we're, we're, we're both spot on on that but, one, but, then. But geographically... Anybody want to text Radio Newt, we might find out. Um, geographically, I, I, that, that's one place I don't know. Um, but isn't it funny, a club as high up the ranks as Aberdeen, and it was mm. as one that's never been at the bottom two divisions, I would suggest, and I don't know, but I would suggest... Yet they've played them five times, and Aberdeen's never yet managed to beat them. I would hate to support Aberdeen. It's just one of those clubs that is set up to be successful. They've got a great past and a great future. And a cracking catchment area. But they're so susceptible to playing rubbish for some reason. And, you know, I mean, I saw them uh, on Sports Scene this afternoon, uh, which is um, Scotland's match of the day. And, um, you know, they, they they played magnificently last night. Absolutely superb. And we well... Could have won more than they did. By, they won by three goals to nil at a canter. But then, next weekend, they might play shocking. I mean, they, 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 they could only draw with... Uh, was it Wraith Rovers on Saturday in the Scottish Cup fourth round? Stenhouse Muir, I've just told you. Sorry, Stenhouse Try Muir. and concentrate. That, that must have been someone else. Oh, I wasn't really concentrating. Dear. Let's move. Let's. We're one more quick football <laughs> one before we try and find Chris. The Wolves manager was sent off last Saturday for running down the touchline to celebrate yeah. his team's winning goal. Okay. A few weeks ago, the Liverpool manager ran halfway across the pitch. Same referee. And it was the same referee. Now yeah. I've had it said to me countless times this weekend. Well, isn't it that? Isn't it good? Is learning. If you want to referee in the Premier Division, you should know the blinking laws. Yeah, not learn as you go along. At the time when uh, Jurgen Klopp ran onto the pitch and hugged his goalkeeper, um, 
it was said in the papers and in the media as a whole. Imagine if that had been Mourinho. It'd have been banned for life. Yeah, but exactly. Trump gets away with it. It's one rule for one. So this referee has obviously been panned, and not only by you know the press, but will have been panned by his bosses. He'll have been hauled over the coals. So obviously, when he sees Nuno do that, then you know straight away, off you go, Mister Nuno. He got, he got an eight thousand pound fine, by the way, for it, which is a bit like finding me new ten p. Well, I don't know. Five like <laughs> p, maybe, but it's ten p. Come on, you're talking double figures. I'm from Yorkshire. But so, Scots are only playing at it. You know, it can't be right, can it? It just cannot be right. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's got it right second time, and he made a mistake first time. I appreciate that, but he shouldn't. He sh- you can't. It smacks of one rule for one and one rule for the others. I'm sorry, but it does. Yeah, but when you find somebody in football eight thousand pounds, what is the point of that? Well, that's just slapping you, slapping his finger and saying, "Oh well, we've got to find something because you've been found it's, guilty." It's, it's just pointless. Absolutely ridiculous. Right, um, we're going to go um, hopefully and try and find Chris Hassel, but the way the way it's going so far, we probably <laughs> won't find Chris Hassel. <laughs> well, is that the name for this programme? But at least for the first first of this year, the, the jingles are working. As as promised, a, a little bit of sense and sensibility to Radio New at Sport, and oh, we and we welcome for the new year, for the first time for the new year, Chris Hassel and the um, best sports club in Newark and Sherwood official. The Jaguars Wheelchair Basketball Club. Chris, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Yes, great. Happy New Year to you. You're obviously not talking about me with this sense of sensibility returning. Uh, you are, because at the minute you're up against me and Tony. <laughs> oh, OK. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I <Okay>, understand. <laughs> so you see the competition is not particularly okay, high, is it, okay, for you? That, that's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take that then. <laughs> um, again, like many clubs, Wheelchair Basketball has a, a Christmas, New Year break um the distance yes. is you travel i think that's probably a good idea as well um yes. but you got back to playing last weekend yeah no absolutely uh the the second team uh i've got back to playing last weekend uh went away played at wakefield um got beat by 40 odd points against a, a very very strong team um but what what's really important is that the the motivation the incentive uh, the driver or the players is there and I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, you, we, you know, I'm sure most coaches will understand this, which is you learn so much more by losing than by winning. So it's, uh, you know, we we tried to do various different things. Things didn't work, and then we've had some training sessions afterwards, and we've talked about what didn't work, and we tried to, if you like, train for doing them better next time round. So uh, really, really happy with the team. They did play some really good stuff. We were just against a, uh, up against a really tough, tall quick team um, and we did our best and that's all I can ever ask of any of and, and that's what this season is all about because the people that haven't picked up on what went on before Christmas both the Jags teams got got promoted it's the highest standard of wheelchair basketball you've ever played in um, yep. and it, it is one heck of a learning curve yeah it absolutely is and um, you know so I've I've got players that are they're the juniors you know okay juniors 16, 17 years old but you know they you know, they are still very much learning their trade, you know, so in wheelchair basketball, um, as with different sports, people tend to peak at different ages and it tends to be in the 30s, you know, so people are learning and equally getting stronger well into their 20s, you know, so it's it's not a game where people, if you like, peak early. Um, it's something where you sort of live and get better bit by bit. And they, and they are doing that, 
uh, and we've got some old old um, I won't say old codgers, but we've got some old stages in there as well. Who've, who've been around the block a few times and uh, still trying to work hard. I, I'm included in that, by the way. <laughs> um, are you on your travels this weekend? I mean, Wait, right, so, uh, Wakefield's pretty much a local derby. Yeah, no, actually, Wakefield's the closest we've been to um, all season. So um, you know, you know, that was a, a, a real um, sort of pleasure to only go uh, to Wakefield. So what's happening this weekend is we've got the juniors in action this weekend. So Jaguars juniors. Uh, so that's basically under 18, so between 14 and 18. Uh, they've had a really good start to the season. Uh, they're actually unbeaten, so the other way around. They're, they actually haven't been beaten this season. Uh, what's really good is that the team have developed. Some of those actually play for me in the second team, um, but an awful lot of them are sort of 16, 17 years old, and w- which is really important when you've got another 18s team, as opposed to having players that are 14 or 15 uh, in terms of their physical development and their speed and things like that. So um, that's really, really uh, good and important. Uh, so there, this uh, weekend, they'll be in Norwich, uh, where they, they will be playing two games. Uh, so uh, best of luck to them. I'm sure they're going to do well. Uh, they've trained hard and they play hard and they enjoy each other's company when they play, which is great. And then the week after that, so just in case I don't speak to you, the weekend after that, our Jaguars women's team um, takes... Uh, uh, sort of uh, top stage when they go to Nottingham um, and they will be playing in National League Division I think it's three if I get this right of the Women's League uh, first time we've had a women's team uh, really really pleased about that we've always wanted one uh, and it's been difficult for us to get enough players if you like to make a squad um, but we've done it this year they've, they've started off really well they've played I think three games and won two um, and they've got three more games um, over the weekend after that. So we've got a fair bit of activity going on. Uh, and obviously, as as well, we obviously have our Saturday and Wednesday night trainings going on as well. Brilliant. Chris, that's fantastic. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time again, um, and then you're you going to have a lot to tell us about. You're going to tell us the juniors in Norwich and the ladies in Nottingham. So lo- right. lots to talk about, and uh, we look forward to that. Good talking to you, Mick. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Thanks, bye. bye-bye. Bye. Tony, you might have missed because you had to nip out while I was um, talking to Chris. But one, one, one comment he made. I've actually even written it down. You learn so much more when you lose. Mm, too true. Um, there was a very um, poignant moment when I went back to um, after a Willie Hall Cup final went back with the horse and jockey to their pub rather than um, the team that they actually beat. Or the, the, the team that actually beat them. I, I went back to the pub of the losers for the Willie Hall Cup and I learned a hell of a lot sitting around that table because everybody was breaking down the game, where they went wrong, where you know, sort of they could have done better, what they need to do next time. And the, the, the conversation was very much in-depth about the game if you go back to the pub of the winners everybody just gets puddled you know I mean and then that's it good game wasn't it yeah great game do you want another but if, if you lose it has far more lasting effect on the team in terms of development than winning things so going back to Tuesday night hmm. the first serve management team would have gained, gained more out of what they saw on Tuesday than they would if they'd won 6-0 if 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 we'd have won six nil, we'd have thought that's fantastic. Apps, aren't we clever? That was brilliant. 
Right then, let's go celebrate. It was a Tuesday night, so it wouldn't have been, you know, it would have been a couple of pints for them, but it would, you know, like sort of, it would nonetheless have been a celebration and you'd just be sitting there going, aren't we clever, let's do that all again next weekend because that's all they have to do, just turn up, it's brilliant. But I did an interview after the game with, uh, with Craig Roach because I needed his programme notes for Radford coming up this Saturday, uh, which I had to then go home and write up. And he said, what we've learnt from tonight, I mean, this is not verbatim, obviously, but to pray see his, his words, what we've learnt from tonight is far more important than the actual 90 minutes against Carlton Town. What we've learnt is that when we have so much possession, we've then got to create clear-cut chances and we've got to be clinical when we get those chances and not smack them into the car park. You know, if we create clear-cut chances and then take those chances, then we progress. But he said, in terms of possession, fantastic. We were terrific, but we didn't do anything with it. And he said, and he he actually used the words, we need to do some fine-tuning before Saturday. And, and and him and Stephen Kirkham will put their heads together and, you know, sort of work out how the team can improve. I'm not suggesting they lose every week because that that, that is de- demoralising. But every time they lose, mentally they regroup and right. the players get better and better as they go along. The reason I ask you that question, I'll come back to after I've done this because the last part of the next segment is where I want to come to next. And we're going to look back now at what happened last weekend. And Collingham overcame a stubborn Renishaw side and a floodlight failure to move within five points of the league leaders. Chris Self with a penalty and Simon Biggs scoring the goals. With Rob Pat with Rob Townsend taking all the plaudits, he got the floodlights back on. Ree Stanley and Kieran Job scored the goals that gave Newark Town their first away win and the double over Phoenix. That first away win for 15 months Ed Buck and Laura Bates both won gold medals at the Lincolnshire School's cross-country event while Newark Town while Newark Rugby Club came back from Ashbourne with a losing bonus point and a very muddy kit for somebody to wash Gary Atwood's RHP Colts came from behind to beat Grimsby by the odd goal in nine in a footballing classic Alfie Price hitting four of the goals this is Radio Newark Sport. And where I want to come back to you is the aftermath of that football match. It was a classic. It was brilliant football, any age group. Both teams gave everything they had got. Grimsby had played 10-1-10. RHP had played 9-1-6, drawn three, before the game started. At the end of the game, half the Grimsby team stormed off, refused to shake hands, walked straight out at the sports village towards the cars. Credit to the manager, he shook hands with Gary Atwood, but some of his team wouldn't. They stormed straight off. Gary got his team together in the pitch, sat them all down and said, right, this is where you very nearly lost it. The Grimsby manager is an ex-professional coach, an ex-professional footballer. Some of his players didn't do him didn't do him justice. He, he shook hands. He did what he should do. But some yeah. of his players have got to learn how to lose. And if you go anywhere or do anything in sport, Tony, even if you're Manchester City or Grimsby 
Borough under 15s or flow serve, you've got to learn how to lose. And as Chris Hassel says, you've got to learn how you lost to make sure it doesn't happen like that again. Yeah, yeah. Quite right, because, I mean, you've got one side of it uh, where you've got Bill Shankly, um, the former Liverpool legend, uh, who said, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. I mean, everybody's going to be bitterly disappointed, but you've always got to remember that at the end of the day, you're representing the club whose shirt you're wearing and you want people to go away, whatever score against your club or whatever score for your club, you want people, the, the opposition or the spectators to go away with a good impression of that club so you turn around and go, well done mate, you deserved that, cheers. And then you walk off and you go... <laughs> But, you know, the initial response is, well done, the, 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 the shaken hand, which is the gesture of congratulations or commiserations all over the world, isn't it? I want... I'll put that up. Oh, I, I want to... We're just doing really well. You'll do well. an else there, won't you? I want, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come back and do another football one in the moment. But, um, but I just want to put this one back, because this is something I know very close to your heart. Olympic tracked track cycling champion Victoria Pen- Pendleton yeah. has turned a corner after admitting she was only minutes away yeah. from taking her own life last summer now it, it's a long story but it actually involves um, a TV show where she had to climb Everest and um, yeah. the altitude problems and hypoxia set in and I, I watched the programme about the Red Arrows last night and that was about what happens when hypoxia Sets in, i.e., the lack of the lack of air to the brain, or yeah, yeah. Um, what happens when it, it, it sets in, and you know they they couldn't even put a shape in, into a two-year-old's toy. Um, <laughs> but as she was saying, if she'd not had rang somebody up one night, yeah, that would have been it. Well, it was in yesterday's Daily Telegraph, and there were uh, two and a half pages in the um, sports supplement. And uh, I obviously read it because um, I've always fancied her. And, and uh, I just, um, <laughs> you know, she's just a, a gorgeous-looking woman. And so, um, basically... Like your wife? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, <laughs> quick brain, work fast. But, but it's, it's just... Um, she, was already, she, she already had uh, mental health issues. And uh, obviously the... Disappointment, the effects of the um, altitude sickness just exacerbated that really. And then she she did she actually sat down and and she worked out uh, exactly how she was going to kill herself. And she put enough tablets down in front of her that was one and a half times what was enough to kill you. And then she thought. Hang on a minute, I'll just phone Steve, Steve Peters, the sports psychologist who's done who's worked wonders but in many fields. And and and, and he the um, you know, sort of talked her out of it. Um a sister came round, threw the tablets away, and um sort of said, Right, you come on, get get your head together and um, you know, she's um, she spoke very, very honestly and in in the article she said, I don't want to um gloss over this I want to tell you how it is warts and all this is how it affects people and all people in that situation myself included as I've recently gone on Facebook 
um, all people in that situation, um, if they come through it at the other out of the other side, they simply want to express what they've been through and say, "Look, I know there are people out there feeling the same way. Can I help?" And anybody who wants to get in touch with this radio station or me, I'd love to help anybody in that situation. But the article is superb. But it basically says that she recovered by going to Cuba and going surfing. And uh, I um, said to Lucy, my wife, after I'd read the article, she said that, you know, she'd really struggled, but she recommends... But, but, but what helped her was going to Cuba and surfing. So she would recommend that's, that's, that's the solution to anybody. That's your answer, then. Out there. Our answer is next, <laughs> when, next Wednesday night, um, Becky Clifton... We're, and we're Tom, not going to Cuba, are we? <laughs> not quite. Becky Clifton, Tom Stimson... Um, are the new club mental health champions for the Newark Striders. Yeah. And we know they do the, the run and talk, which is starting up again for 2019. And Tom and Becky are our studio guests next Wednesday night. Good. So I know that is something that is very dear to your heart. Very um, much so. Yeah. And I don't think um, that you can talk too much about stuff like that because there's a heck of a lot of people out there who um, listen to stuff and read stuff and, and, and find out it very much affects their own lives or certainly somebody they will know. And, and, and any help that can go out to those people. So, As I say, I was there myself in, in a very dark place and, you know, I mean, what's done it for me is giving up drinking and, and that just has made my life, has turned my life round, as well as having a granddaughter that's... Just change your world. You still don't know that Aberdeen placed Dan House Mural not right no, for was, but, but I mean, um, sometimes, even sometimes, there are more important things in the Scottish Cup fourth round. Yeah, unless you live in Scotland. Um, <laughs> the West Indies are 40 for no wicket after 12 overs. Do you think it's a different pitch to play? And I'll have to move grounds or something? Or No, I just think that uh, probably the England cricketers are as stunned as I was when I heard that news. Unbelievable. Um, Right, Paris Saint-Germain's forward Neymar was told to don't go blubbering after he left the pitch in tears, having a fractured metatarsal. Neymar was fouled three times in, in a few seconds um, during the PSG's 2-0 French win over Strasbourg. The 26-year-old responded by doing a rainbow flick, whatever a rainbow flick is, over the head of Zemzima, but he had to come off injured. It's Neymar's style, but don't come and complain when you get kicked, said Strasbourg's manager. He's a great player, I respect him. I can en- I can en- he can enjoy himself, but there's no need to come blubbering afterwards. So, um, my question to you, um, and, and um, you know what I think about showboating, um, what do you think about showboating? Being a Leeds United fan with one of the most legendary episodes of showboating ever seen in English football against Southampton. Yeah. March 1972. Me and my dad were on the cop and Billy Bremner, Johnny Giles, et al. put together 34 consecutive passes and they were backheeling it and flicking it and Rabona and all the rest of it. And my dad said, this is outrageous. This is bang out of order. I'm with your dad. They shouldn't be doing this. Well, you're about his age. And, you know, they shouldn't be doing this. And I said, as a 12-year-old, I said, Dad, shut up, just watch, we might never see this again. And we never have done. 
And to a 12-year-old, it was fantastic. And to a 58-year-old, it was fantastic. But I don't like Neymar, he's just a prat. <laughs> there's a difference in all that somewhere, I'm sure there is, but I haven't yet found it. I, I, I don't like it in um, any form of sport, professional or amateur. We talked, didn't we, about Manchester City at Leicester? Yes. And... Um, I never actually saw the match, but you actually saw the match. and I, I didn't see the game, but I listened to it on the radio and, and far more learned people than us were saying, full respect to Manchester City because they haven't showboated. They haven't taken the mickey out of Burton. They've carried on playing. They've carried on playing at 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, and they were still playing at 8-0 up and got a ninth. Well done. But that's a fair comment. Because yeah, if, if, if you're a lot better... You are a lot better. Yeah. As long as you... I, I'm, I'm going to go back because it still rankles and it still annoys what I saw in my grandson's match at Gosforth before Christmas. Yes. Uh, 75-0, OK, it happens, as I did tell Thomas. That happens. Don't worry about that. But running behind the touchline yeah. and waiting there with the rugby ball in your hand until somebody arrives who's never scored a try so he can put the ball down is taking the... Somebody... Whatever the word is, begins with P and ends in double S. But that's what it's taking it. Somebody should have said to his teammate on the Rockcliffe side, right, you and me now scissors him. Yes. <laughs> Some, I mean, it, it wasn't for me to get involved, but if I had got involved, um, I'm afraid it would have been... And, 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 that, and that's it. If you want a showboat... Be prepared to get cut in half. If you because if I, was a fer- if I was on the opposite side... And somebody showboat. I heard one tonight because yeah. I, I, I was listening to a sports station tonight on the way home, and they talked about a a Reading player because he's always this is all on the back of the Neymar thing. A Reading player who, who got the ball and then put his foot on the ball and pulled his socks up. Well, the tackle from the West Ham player, which arrived five minutes <laughs> after the ball had gone, put put the Reading player four rows up. Yeah, but in 1967 at Wembley. When Scotland won 3-2, Jim Baxter played keepy-uppy against the world champions. That is funny. But if somebody showboats, just let them, give them a lot of time to think about it in traction afterwards. Yeah, because mm. that, that, that to me is what they deserve. And, and the Leeds thing was probably showboating, it probably wasn't showboating. Oh, it's totally showboating. But it, it, you know, to me, they... But Sorry. It, but it was showboating by a classy set of players. You wouldn't showboat um, to <laughs> Graham Souness or, oh, or no, Chopper no. Harris or <laughs> Billy Bremner, would you? Well, I met Chopper Harris. Um, I've hated Chelsea since I was 10. And uh, I met Chopper Harris at the um, town club when he was a guest speaker. And um, I was on the top table as a uh, sports editor the advertiser the only sports editor the, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the only one they've ever had they've never <laughs> been very lucky and um, so um, basically um, I, I got introduced to him and um, and, and, and the president of, uh, the t- of Newark Town Club said I suppose you'd like to shake his hand I said I certainly wouldn't <laughs> and Chopper looked at me and went oh god a Leeds fan I said yes but uh, I hate to say it but he turned out to be a real nice bloke <laughs> they are. Um, Real Madrid have topped the table of the world's 20 richest football clubs, displacing Manchester United, with record revenues of, in proper money, £674.6 million. 
£1. Can I do my show... You've read The Telegraph again, haven't you? No, but can I do my show and tell? Go on. It works on radio because it's about radio. But until yesterday... Is this relevant? Yes. Okay. Until yesterday, I'd never listened... Sorry, until Tuesday, I'd never listened to Talk Sport. And... Uh, they're nowhere near as good as we are. On Tuesday... No, no they're not, but they, they, they try hard. And, and they've, they've um, basically... I had to go over to Hucknall to collect the programmes for the Carlton Town game um, on Tuesday... Between about eleven and a half, twelve, and listened to Talksport, and they they were dealing with the breaking news about um, Salah and uh, the disappearing plane, and they did it superbly, but they managed to intersperse it with a lot of chat about the other aspects of football at the minute, and I found the program absolutely superb. What's this got to do with Real Madrid today? When I had to go over to Hucknall to pick up the programmes for the game against Radford on Saturday, three o'clock, Lowfields, don't miss it, folks. No. I basically, uh, basically, they were talking about this Deloitte ratings, Deloitte ratings, yeah. and they came up with some fascinating stuff because the, three, the things got split into I was three. I call it Delalotte, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he plays for Arsenal. Yeah. But basically, um, it was split into three things. It was split into commercial. Uh, TV funding and match day revenue, and the Manchester City match day revenue is well down the list. I mean, Man City, I think, a fifth overall. But they were saying that the Manchester City match day revenue is. I mean, Man, Man United is 119 million a year. Manchester City's is only 61, and they were saying. Come on, pull your, pull, pull, pull your socks up, Manchester City. You've got to do better than that on match days. And this Manchester City fan phoned in because it's called Talksport. It's, li- it? it's light years behind United, isn't it? But this Man City fan phoned in and said, don't you think that makes us better? Because we don't charge a blooming fortune for a pie and a pint. We don't charge a fortune for admission. And I thought, good on you. I really, really thought that's a hell of a good point. It's a good a, answer. As a football fan... If it's true, it's a good answer. As a football fan, he was speaking for football fans. That was brilliant. So Real Madrid are top, Barcelona are second. That's the f- first time the two Spanish clubs have, be- have been one and two for a good number of years. Man United third, Bayern Munich, Man City, Paris Saint-Germain, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham make up the top ten. Newcastle United are 19th. And it's amazing. They have, you know, untold riches. And at the start of the season, Mike Ashley said to Rafa Benitez, I, every penny we make this season will be given to you for a transfer kitty. Mm. He's got nothing, and we're talking a hundred million plus. Yeah, but on the other hand, he has bought HMV or Arsene Fraser and anybody else that's. But as a Newcastle United lover, I've got a great amount of time for the people of the North East before you met them. You know, I mean, they, they are a remarkable people. Wonderful, wonderful football club. What Rafa Benitez is doing under those circumstances is miraculous. He's manager of the season. He's got to be. And if he keeps him in that league, he's got to be. Ashley, who's already kicked everybody in Newcastle where he shouldn't be kicking them for a, for a long period of time, is going to lose Rafa Benitez. And... And then he ain't going to get £300 million for it. And, and, and if he does, he should be strung up from the Gallagate. 
I think they'll do that in any case. Let's have a look at what's happening this coming weekend in a minute. Hang on, hang on, stop talking. We're back. Hello. (laughs) It's one of those conversations that we can't tell you about. Um, Right, what's happening this weekend in the wacky world of Radio Newark Sport? Well, um, the match of the day in the East Midlands Counties League will be at Lowfields, or should be at Lowfields, with the home side taking on third-placed Radford. Last weekend's postponement at Renner cost the works top spot, with Selston winning at West Bridgeford, albeit only by a single goal, but they won. Um, and they now go three points clear, and both clubs have finally played the same amount of games. Kick-off at Lowfields, three o'clock. We've only got ten minutes to get through the rest of it, so I'm going to dread the next <laughs> bit. Um, I think this, on paper, is the last of the big yeah, tests for home matches. The other ones won't be gimmies, but they, they really, mm. if they have any aspirations of doing any good, and win them. But Radford got beat last Saturday by a tone by Eastwood, but Eastwood are no mugs either. Yeah, Radford, had, uh, before the Eastwood game, had, had had a tremendous run and they worked their way up to third position by uh, a string of superb results. And when we played away at Radford uh, earlier in the season, we were given a very, very tough test. We scraped a 1 0 win and um, basically. It was a very, very hard-fought victory that showed why, you know, Flosserv are probably going to win the league because if you get 1-0 wins out of those, Liverpool have been doing it for years and Radford pushed us all the way. I think it'll be a cracky game of football on Saturday. So that's Lowfield at three o'clock. It's one of those weekends, actually. Whichever game I'm going to mention, football game I'm going to mention here, you can say, well, that's the one I should be going to because the next one on the list... Are Collingham, who have enjoyed an excellent campaign in the Central Midlands, they've um, undefeated in their last last ten, sitting second in the table, five points behind leaders Clay, Clay Cross Town. I couldn't say it on Monday either. Clay Cross Town and Collingham have two matches in hand over the leaders. And guess what? In Derbyshire this weekend, they play each other three o'clock kickoff again. You can say. That's the match of the weekend. If I wasn't busy, I'd come with you. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that is another fantastic-looking fixture. Um, we've done second against third. We're now doing first against second. It's getting to the business end of the season, isn't mm, it? It is. When matches are <coughs> important. Yeah. The table is not telling any lies anymore. No. And it's a massive great pitch at Clay Cross. Um, I know... Paul Hard's a bit worried about that. Um, I think Clay Cross are an awful what awful what more worried about Collingham. Yeah, I, I honestly think that um, Collingham can come back from that one with a victory. They can win that league, mate. Well, Paul Hyde would never say it uh, in or out of the shower, but he would be happy with a point from that one. He would. Uh, New York Town haven't got a match this weekend. Um, that game has been post- postponed. But another massive match sees Newark Flow Serve Reserves travel to Hollingwood Lane to play the not senior league Division 2 leaders, Top Valley. Mm. Three points and two places separate the sides. Flow Serve have got a vastly superior goal difference. And in theory, it won't happen. I'll tell you why in a minute. In theory, could be top of the table at five o'clock on Saturday night. The reason why it won't happen is that the team in between them are Ruddington and they're at home to bottom of the table, Snenton. 
Mm. So you would have you seen Snanton's record? Yes, which is why mm. so say won't be top of the table. But again, you've got third against first, and that's another match that you can argue that's the one to go to. I think Snenton's record is played 15, lost 15, scored mm. 11, conceded 91. There you go. So, again, so am I going to go and watch Flow Serve? Am I going to go to Claycross Town, which is near Chesterfield? So the answer is probably no. Uh, am I going to go to Calverton to watch that match? You might get a game for Snenton. <laughs> yes. Um, third placed Fondin Colts in the Notch Youth League take on second placed Skagway. Um, half past 10 on. Saturday morning, two points separate these um, two sides as they both chase after Long Bennington and Skegby was only the second team this season to take points off Bennington Mm, mm. last weekend. Another (laughs) cracky... I mean, this is never-ending, isn't it? Um, Let's change to rugby. And what have we got? Oh, a meaninglessly mid-table battle at Kellam Road until you say it's Newark against Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly you're playing for pride, aren't you? (laughs) Lots of pride. Oh, yeah. Again, another cracking match. The Newark Hockey ladies, um, they take on Southall in a local derby. I don't care what the sport is, if it's Newark against Southall, if it's Newark against Mansfield, there's an extra little bit of niggle. Well, we did an outside broadcast last year, didn't we, from uh, Southall Brincliffe United Hockey Club. And every time the, the, the name Newark, even, yeah. though, even though Radio Newark were presenting it, every time Newark was mentioned, they were... We got booed! Place nearly uh, put the windows through, didn't they? The, 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 the hockey match of the afternoon, of course, is the Newark men's twos, they're at home, to uh, the Newark men's ones. <laughs> you don't get any more of a local derby than that one, do you? <laughs> Our cross-country runners... Um, they're all at Leamington Spa for the Midlands Championships, and um, we expect particularly Chloe Hilbert um, to be shining. Our new at Tennis Club welcome Sutton in Ashfield to, to London Road for a mixed doubles match. Um, it's as um, Chris has already told you, the junior Jags are off to, um, to Norwich. Um, and then we move on to Sunday. RHP host Grimsby Borough Under 15 Academies for the second week running. <laughs> After that classic of last week, it's a cup match this week. Quarter two kickoff at the sports stage. And I tell you, if you're not doing anything on Sunday afternoon, any of you, get down there and watch that. Because it was half the match it was last weekend. <laughs> it's an absolute classic. And I'm still not finished because going to the other end of the footballing scale with the veterans. There's an East Midlands Veterans League match on at Mansfield on Sunday afternoon when local in play second place Newark Flow Serve. To put it another way, first against second in the table. <coughs> I, I really don't think I've... They're actually called Newark. They play at Flow Serve, but they're actually called Newark. Look at the shirts. It says Newark Flow Serve on them. That's good enough for me. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, it says... It says end, just, end of Newark I'm, Flow I'm just serve. going by the, yeah. by the stats, I do. The shirts say Flow Serve. The play at Flow Serve, to me, that means the Flow Serve. <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, what a cracking set of matches. Mm. Football, rugby and hockey. Yeah, it's, um, it's very difficult to... Um, pick one out but uh, obviously it's Flow Serve well I know where you're going to be (laughs) I've arranged to be at Flow Serve on Saturday afternoon I've arranged to be at um, Pond and Colts on Saturday dinner time I've arranged to be at Newark Rugby Club on Saturday afternoon and I've arranged to be at Newark Hockey Club on Saturday afternoon 
quite sure I'm going to do all that, but... And how are you going to fit Clay Cross in? <laughs> yeah, that's too far away. <laughs> that, of, of all those matches, though, that is the thing, one I think I would, if I'd got the time, the one I'd like to go and see. Mm. And if you was neutral... Yeah. I think it's the one that you would choose. Yeah, definitely. It would, it, it would be a hell of a game. And I just hope on Monday night, we, we sit here again and we're... I'm just what I'm loving on. the fact that Newark have beaten Lincoln, Clay Cross have been put to the sword by Collingham, and uh, that... Um, As those rather good fellows at Newark Rugby Club would put it, I'm rather hoping on Monday night we can have a President's Jug. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know what I mean, it means everybody's won. <laughs> Have to be orange and lemonade, mate. OK, <laughs> made for you, but it's going to be an absolute fantastic weekend, and we hope all our local sides... You can get victories. I'm not sure uh, the New York men's twos against the New York men's ones. It's going <laughs> to probably a glorious draw on that one. Might be nice, but um, you know, let, let's hope. I do. Once the season gets past Christmas, there's some. It just picks up that extra little gear, doesn't it? And it becomes uh, uh. things become important, more important than they are before Christmas. It's, it's, it's certainly there's some absolute belters this weekend and it, it, it's going to be tricky to fit Monday night show into an hour isn't it yeah it's going to be one of them things where me and you are not going to have a lot to say and a lot of people will probably think that's a good idea <laughs> um, next Monday night it's we're going to go round the grounds next Tuesday night Amy Hunt is coming to see us next Wednesday night um, we're going to be talking um, with the two Striders people and next Thursday night me and his lordship's going to be looking back at the month of January, who we've spoke, spoken to, what's happened, what's been achieved, and we're going to give some little awards out as well, some new 2019 awards, our little awards for January. I think we might win some of them. Bye-bye. We-